So today, I'm going to preach to you. I want us to read two portions of Scripture, and I'm going to try to make it all make sense for you. But our first portion of Scripture will be found in the book of Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. And then I would like to draw your attention to the book of Psalms 139 and verse 14. Acts 1 and 8 and Psalms 139, 14. If you have your Bibles, I'll give you a moment to find that and put your old-fashioned bookmark called your index finger over there in Psalms 139, 14. Praise God. Thankful, thankful, thankful for the body of Christ. And I realize more every single day how much I need you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I realize more every day how much I need you. I need the body of Christ. Praise God. I want to give you good tidings of great joy as you're turning to Acts 1 and 8 and Psalms 139. And I want to tell you that Thursday night after Bible study... Right, or after prayer meeting here at this church, that we baptize Sister Valletta in Jesus' name. Woo! Come on, girl. We gave the devil a good whooping here on Thursday night. We love you. Praise God. Boy, I just got chills from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Praise God. Is that awesome? Thursday night prayer meeting in your face devil praise God well somebody shout amen, amen. Acts 1 and 8 let's read this together can we do that but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. Do you believe that? You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. It's different after you get the Holy Ghost. Psalms 139 and 14. Psalms 139 and 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. The psalmist said we were created and made fearfully and wonderfully by a mighty God whose works are marvelous. But even being fearfully and wonderfully made, I am born with limitations that I just cannot supersede in my physical flesh. But something happens when you get the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. The world just looks different through the eyes of somebody that's been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'm glad that I've been born again today. Amen. I am going to preach to you from a very simple subject today. And I want you to help me if you would. I want you to help me give my title. I want you to look at somebody close to you and tell them this today. You need the Holy Ghost. You may be seated in Jesus' mighty name. You need the Holy Ghost. Anybody here believe that? Anybody here believe that you need the Holy Ghost? Some of you can testify for sure. Because you remember what your life was like before you had the Holy Ghost. But today it's a different world. You don't rely on what you used to rely on to get you through the day. Come on, you don't have to have what you used to have to wake you up in the morning. There's some of you that can testify to it. Your only hope was in a bottle. Your only hope was in a syringe. Your only hope was in something snorted up your nose. Your only hope was in a pill that you could take and throw down your throat. But today you've got the power of the Holy Ghost. 
Is there anybody here that can testify that your worst day with Jesus is better than your best day without him? Hallelujah. There is just something amazing that happens when you get the Holy Ghost. Now, Jesus shared this story in John 3, 5. He shared this with Nicodemus being a ruler of the Jews. And he was very inquisitive towards the Christ, the Messiah, as to whence his power came and how it was that Jesus did all the mighty works that he did. And Jesus said to him in the third verse, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you must be born again. He said, except you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so Nicodemus must have had some kind of a puzzled look on his face. As he looked back at the Messiah and he said, well, how, how can a man be born when he is old? I don't. I don't understand, Lord, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? And it's almost like you can hear Jesus sigh and chuckle for just a moment, you know. <laughs> no, 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 Nicodemus. No, I say unto you, except a man be born of water. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse 6 is imperative to what I want to tell you today. He said, for that which is born of the flesh, somebody shout flesh. flesh. What is it? It's flesh. If it's born of the flesh, it's flesh. But that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Notice in the language of your Bible, that which is born of the capital S, Spirit, of the Spirit, that which is born of the Spirit is small s, Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God does a work on your spirit. The Spirit of God will change the spirit of a man. The Spirit of God can work on that ugliness inside of a man or a woman. That years and years of bitterness and hatred and darkness and strife have created inside of the Spirit of a man. That all of the things that you have been through and all of the things that have have unfolded in your life but have created pockets of grief in your life the spirit of a man the inward part of a man that you have took counseling and you have sat with doctors and you can find no way to put that at ease but the spirit oh my my the spirit the spirit the spirit he said so marvel not that I say to you you must be born again I don't know how else to put this to you today other than telling you if I could give you my 32nd sermon and understanding of what John 3 really means, it would mean it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, who your daddy was, who your mama was, what they did, how right it was, how wrong it was, what your past is, or where you came from. When you're born again... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Come on, somebody shout it at me. Become new. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know my background. You don't know my daddy. You don't know my family. You don't know what I've been through. You don't understand what my story looks like. I don't know what your story did look like, but I can tell you what it looks like today. If you're born again of water and spirit, he can take all of the filth of your past and everything that you were yesterday and make you a brand new creature. You need the Holy Ghost. Now, 
Psalms 139 said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That is a fact. The human body is absolutely incredible. But I look at the human body kind of like I do astrology and, and the understanding of space, or should I say the lack of understanding. Some time ago I was reading some uh, 14th and 15th century uh, literature concerning the human body and actually it was um, some of the, the teaching and understanding of one uh, named Michael Servetus as he was studying the human body to uh, rightfully expound what they knew about medicine at that time. And when you read how surgeries were done and their understanding of the human body, I want to tell you I am sure glad that we have a little better technology now than they had then. I mean, basically, to get your appendix removed, if they could get it removed, it was something just short of a hacksaw, a pair of tweezers, and your pocket knife. Now they have the ability to do this without ever really opening you up with a large incision. They can just make a couple of incisions, go and take it out, do what they need to do. Somebody shout amen. amen. How many of you are weak in the knees right now? Local anesthetic, what's that? We don't have local anesthetic. We don't even know what that is. We don't understand how the nerve endings affect that incision that's about to be made with a chainsaw. We have no clue. And so the body is a lot like what NASA has done with space. About the time they think they know everything, they find out they don't know nearly as much as they thought they knew. And it's all in the power of learning. You know, medicine is a unique thing because you and I put a lot, a lot of hope into something that they actually just call practice. Isn't that wonderful to know that you are one great big guinea pig? <laughs> Somebody shout practice. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. As they open up the chest cavity of a man who has a blockage, only to find out that the blocked valve, the blocked artery, has now bypassed itself completely and has grown another artery, another vessel all the way behind the heart and connected itself to the system. Folks, that's not medicine. That is fearfully and wonderfully made. It's amazing. Now, the human nose can detect one millionth of one milligram of garlic floating in the air and distinguish among 10,000 distinct odors. Now, my wife is the exception to that rule because my wife does not just smell one millionth of a milligram of garlic. She can smell one, one millionth of a milligram of anything. And when you walk into a place of business, she curls up that nose and says, Ooh, what is that smell? It's pretty crazy. My grandmother, Sister Bingham, Papa claims that Mamma is superhuman in her nose. She can smell anything. It's crazy. She can smell anything. That is not something that medicine has done for us. That's because we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Did you know that the hairs which blanket your body magnify the sensation of touch so much so that you can discern one thousandth of an ounce of pressure on the tip of a half-inch hair? Think about it. Our five senses, however, come with sensory limitations. Because the eardrum can only hear sounds that vibrate between 20 and 20,000 hertz. Anything outside that range is completely inaudible to the human ear. The human eye can only perceive light waves that are between 
0.00007 and 0.00004 centimeters long. Anything outside that range is invisible. I read some time ago a man that tried to put this into perspective and he said, our visual range is the equivalent of one playing card in a stack of cards stretching halfway across the universe. Now you stand and look across the Grand Canyon and all that your eyes are taking in and then just fathom that your creator created everything that you see and everything that you don't see. And if what you see is that awesome, can you imagine what you cannot see? I'm talking about fearfully and wonderfully made. In other words, what we see is a very, very, very thin slice of reality. There are limitations in our humanity, but can also be true of our spirituality as well. Let me be clear to you this morning, very, very clear to you, beyond a shadow of a doubt and extremely emphatic with what I'm about to tell you right now. God does not see things the way we see things. God is not troubled because you're troubled. God is not despondent because you're despondent. God is not out of options because you're out of options. God is not astounded and amazed by the mountain that stands in front of you. God is not discouraged because you're discouraged. I'm going to preach to you right here. Because God does not see like we see. And we don't know like he knows. This is going to sound like a sword drill for the next couple moments, but stay with me. How many of you know today, we serve an all-knowing, omniscient God? Come on. Isaiah 46, 9 through 10, remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. He's a God that knows the end from the beginning while we're still trying to figure out the beginning from the end. And he does it all by himself. Isaiah asked it like this in 40 and 13. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor has taught him with whom took he counsel and who instructed him and who taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding Isaiah said who is there in this world that could ever teach the Lord one thing I feel like telling you this morning there is nobody that can counsel the Lord Psalm 139, 1 through 3. The psalmist said, O Lord, thou hast searched me and thou hast known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understand my thoughts afar off. You compass my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with my ways. Somebody shout, He knows me. The next verse, the fourth verse, said, There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest all together. To break that down for you this morning, he said, Before the word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Before I ever open up my mouth and I say it, you already knew where I was coming from, and you know where I'm going. I feel like telling somebody this morning that's been speaking doubt and feeding confusion and speaking about fear I feel like telling you right now he knows right where you are he knows the way you take he knows what you're feeling you've got to know today that God has not forsaken you Later on in that same chapter in 139 and 15, he said, my substance was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and in thy book all my memories. 
numbers were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Before you ever came to the trial, before you ever came to the mountain, before you ever came to the test, before you ever came to the trouble, he knew who you were. I feel like telling you today, God knows where you are. It's hard when we feel limited in our flesh. But you need the Holy Ghost this morning. What God knows about you, you don't even know yet that you can believe in yourself. I love it, Job 21 and 22. Shall any teach God knowledge? Seeing that he judges those that are high, can anyone teach God knowledge? Think about who it was saying this, folks. This is in the book of Job. Somebody that knew what it felt like to be rejected, neglected, broke, busted, and disgusted. And in the middle of his hell, he said, who in the world's going to teach God anything? God knows where I'm at. He knows what I've lost. And he knows what I've got to gain. He knows my yesterday. He knows my today. And he knows my future. Can anybody teach God anything? Stay with me right here. I could do this all day. Stay with me. Psalm 147. Verse 4. Think about this, folks. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. I want to tell you something, Big Daddy. He don't just know your name. He knows the names of every star. He knows every star that's burned out. He knows every star that's going to shine bright. He knows every star that you've never even seen the light of. He knows the name of every star that's beyond this galaxy and the galaxies that are beyond. Don't you just be surprised that he knows your name today in your primal mortal existence. He doesn't just know who you are. He knows everything that's around you. Verse 5. Can't say this about anybody else. Great is our Lord and of great power. I feel like just throwing this right here in the face of the devil today. His understanding. It's infinite. See, some just think of him as the eternal God. But the issue with him being eternal is that eternal things have a beginning but no ending. But things that are infinite, they have no beginning and they have no ending. This is how we know that he's infinite. Because in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, Genesis 1 and 1. And that means before there was a beginning, there was God. So who in the world are we today to think that God doesn't understand us? Yeah, but you were born in poverty. You were born in another way of life. You were born with this and you were born with that. Yes, but his understanding is infinite. What's the New Testament say about it? I'm really glad you asked. Romans eleven thirty three. 33. Oh, the depth of riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgment. Follow this. And his ways past finding out. Oh, so you mean I'm not supposed to know every step I take? So what, what you're saying, Pastor, is it's not faith if God tells me everything at the beginning of a test. Anybody else in here ever had a teacher in the middle of your test that when you raised your hands and asked for answers, they ignored you? But you wonder why God has gone silent on you in the middle of your test. Can I tell you, it's not because the answers are absent from his mind. And it's not because he's absent from where you are. It's because he gave you before the test started what you needed to make it through the test. Don't worry about the test. I know the master today. He knows exactly where you are. And his ways are beyond finding out. Watch me now. Hebrews 4.13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him. 
with whom we have to do. Another version says it like this. Nothing in creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give our account. I'm saying to you this morning, there is nothing that is hidden from God. There is nothing that's going on in your world that God does not know about. I know that we're Americans today. And God is not an American. Neither is his kingdom democratic. But you hear this preacher when I tell you that the un rest that's going on in this land today it is not a surprise to God he knows exactly where we are and I do believe that it is a test of the power of the church to see if we will buy into the narrative of the world I'm telling you that it's different in this kingdom than it is the kingdom of this world your neighbor Needs to hear this one this morning. Matthew 10, 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Luke 12, 7. But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, he said. For you are of more value than many sparrows. What's he saying? He sees every sparrow that flies and he sees every sparrow that falls. And he knows the number of hairs that are on your head and the hairs that used to be there and now they've been pre-raptured. I know some of you are looking in the mirror and you're saying, oh, I think I'm getting gray or I think I'm going bald. I want to tell you right now, he knows how many of them still dark and how many of them still gray. He knows how many of them were there yesterday and how many of them are gone today. Do not be surprised when I tell you this morning, he knows where you're at. But pastor, I just feel such unrest in my heart. I, I feel so uneasy in my heart. I don't know. Well, First John 3 and 20 will settle this for you this morning. I, I just feel anger in my heart. I feel bitterness in my heart. I feel hatred in my heart. Well, First John 3 20 said, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. You know the problem with hatred? Hatred didn't come from the heart of God. Hatred came from our hearts. God bless you. You can be seated. Let's be real today, humanity. Hate is not in the nature of God. This is a man problem. This is a woman problem. This is not a God problem. But the scripture said that God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. So while some of us are sitting around saying, well, when's God going to judge on this matter? And when is God going to judge on that matter? Let me just ease your mind today. Let me just take some pressure off of you today and tell you, quit worrying about when God is going to do God things. And you start worrying about when you are going to do you things. Let me, let me preach to you right here. Let me slow down and get this to you so you get it way down deep in your soul. You are not going to pray one prayer by itself and fix the problems in humanity. Now, I said this the other night, and I mean this sincerely. Before there was ever Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or anything else, I was told by... The book, not Facebook, by the book. That it's impossible for me to say that I love God who I have not seen. If I cannot love my brother who I have seen. So don't tell me that your public statements on Facebook validate whether or not you love people. Because I know you don't believe this, but people post false things on the internet. Oh, my Lord. I'm, hey, ushers, would you come pick these people up off the floor that have passed out right now? They thought everything was true on Facebook till right now. Hang on. We're, we got CPR coming. Church family, Jesus said it like this. 
He said, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. See, some of you know where I'm going right now. And some of you cannot exist in the kingdom of God and Facebook world at the same time because it's making you say things that you don't even believe yourself. And it's making you hate people that you wouldn't have never hated before. You know why I love this church? Because it's not a white church. It's not a black church. It's not a Hispanic church. We are the body of Christ. We are the children of God. We are brothers and we are sisters and we love one another. We are not composed by some false narrative on Facebook. We are brought together by the words of the great book. We are the body of Christ. Hallelujah. And let me go ahead and say it publicly. If you're not alright with everybody in this church not looking just like you, then you better find another church. His blood is for every race, tribe, and tongue. You know what you need? You need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to step out here and say this, and I know it could cost me because we got the all-seeing eye back there. I'm going to tell you something today. You listen to what I'm telling you. I have this much respect, and I hope that's zoomed in really close where they can see. This much respect for a man that will spend thousands of dollars on airplane tickets and missions trips to go to Africa and preach to a black man, but will not walk across the street and shake the hand of one. Don't tell me you love humanity because you got to go on a long trip. No, 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 no. Spend all your money and go preach at a conference in Mexico so that you can preach to Mexican people. I got this much respect for you. If you're not willing to bend over backwards and make sure that everybody knows in this country that they are the body of Christ. It's so funny. Virtue signaling. Sending stuff out there. Saying things that you wouldn't have said yesterday. Brother Thornton. I probably shouldn't have said his name. Sorry. Anyway, I did. We were talking yesterday. Our hearts are broken about the way that people are doing one another right now. And he said, it's amazing to me, the people in the congregation, now they're saying they care. Because it's cheap to do it on Facebook. He said, but not one week have they showed up here to go with us when we take food pantry food and start knocking on doors and giving it to people. Your Facebook don't impress God. The way you treat humanity is what he's looking at. Come on, you can pick people apart on Facebook all day, every day. But what I want to know is, how do you look at your brother? Oh, my God. If your heart condemn you, you need to know God's greater than your heart. And he knows all things. He sees your heart no matter what your little fingers type. Oh, my, my. Is the sound system still on this morning? Have you ever noticed how bold and brave people are with this stupid little thing? Isn't it crazy? I've watched people... Pick preachers clean apart after they preach in this church by their little post. I've watched people pick folks apart to sit across the church from them, but none of them have the boldness to call them by name. Is this Sunday morning all right? We get really bold and really brave when we get behind our little computer screen and we say things that we would have never said before. I'm telling you right now, you write this down. Mark it down in your book. 
Let it be loud and proud. If you can't look your brother in the eye in this building right here and tell them, I love you, I'm thankful for you, I'm thankful to be connected to you, then you're not going to impress anybody. Pastor, what are you doing? I'm passionate about this. The world has got to get passionate about understanding one another. We've got to love each other. There's going to be a lot of people surprised. I'm just telling you all right now. There's going to be a lot of people surprised when you get to heaven. Because some of you aren't going to stay any longer than the judgment seat. Well, I didn't think they deserved to be here. How'd they get in? <laughs> I'm going to have to get me a security detail to get out of here today. If you'll work on my volunteer security detail today, would you please stand? No, don't, please. We prefer secret service agents in this church. <laughs> Dear God, if you can't laugh in church, you're too uptight. What? What do you think about those people that can't... Exists without sticking a needle in their arm every morning. The low-down scum of the earth. Uh, I wish you could see the struggle in their heart. The battle in their mind. I know Calvary was only for us perfect people. Huh. You need the Holy Ghost. I had a gentleman ask me this week as to how many people in this church are really 100%. He said, how many people in your church really try? How many people in your church are really authentically sold out? And I said, let me tell you, in a roundabout, well, I'm not telling you verbatim the conversation, but I said in short, I said, let me tell you the difference. In social clubs, in places of work and whatever, that's all different. Because the common denominator in the house of God is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will make you try when nothing else does. Because the Holy Ghost, man, the Holy Ghost starts replacing the things that you're addicted to. And you used to have to get up in the morning and take a heavy drink. And now you just get up and pray in the Holy Ghost. In my flesh, I don't know how to love people. I, don't, I try. I'm a loving person. I mean, I, I try. But I don't know how to love my wife outside the Word of God. Because this society says that your wife is a, a piece of meat. Oh, boy, now it's going to tighten up in here. See, the Holy Ghost will mess you up because you can't just walk off and leave her if you love her the way Christ loves the church. Don't nobody want to help me preach right now. Woo. It'll mess with you. It'll make you stay with something that your old man would have gave up on. somebody it'll make you stay in the church when you get frustrated it'll make you hang around the house of God when you're mad at messed up people it'll make you overlook things that your old man would have picked a fight over but you realize now it don't matter in eternity and you'd rather be saved than you would be right This is going to be another surprise to you, so get the, get the paddles ready. We're going to shock people. You don't have to be right all the time. 
I'd rather just think in my heart that I'm right and stay saved. Oh, man. I wish I had somebody up here to back me up right now. problem is most of the time with me when I think I'm right I can walk into a room with 60 people that are all wrong you know what I need when I start feeling like I have to be right about everything I think you know what I'm preaching right now but you know what I'm what I really really need I need the Holy Ghost but in my flesh I'm limited I don't love people the way I should I don't give the way I should. Isn't it funny how people come to God and they're broke and they don't have anything sometimes? Then a few months later, they start paying their tithes, give 10% they didn't have and give offering that they didn't have before. Now they got more than they ever had. And the Spirit of God can speak to them and say, give $10 to somebody, give $20 to somebody, give $100 to that missionary. You didn't have $100 before you came to God. But now the Spirit's speaking to you saying, go bless that brother. Go bless that sister. Go bless that family. Isn't that something? Got more than we've ever had, and then we get crossways with God. So we start holding out on God. And then we wonder why we don't have nothing anymore. <laughs> oh, y'all ready to be dismissed? Can I preach to you? Some things cannot be perceived, they can only be conceived. Some things cannot be deduced, they can only be imagined. Some things cannot be learned, they can only be revealed. You need the Holy Ghost. Because it will reveal things to you. Come on somebody. I'm talking about you read this book for 20 years. But you get the Holy Ghost and read it and it looks different. You can't learn that. It's got to be revealed. But it's revealed by the power of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 2, 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They didn't know what they were doing. They had no clue who they were crucifying. But the man that they were crucifying, the blood that they were shedding was about to be powerful enough to erase the crucifixion that they just took part in. Now, I'm going to have to teach this. Give me about five minutes to teach this and then I'll preach the rest of this. This scripture is quoted all the time at funerals and I'm afraid it's way, way out of context. Because we always quote it when we're talking about heaven. It is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And they extract verse 9 and quote it at a, at a funeral. And they say it's talking about heaven. Because Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. So we come to funerals and we say, oh, eyes haven't seen. Woo! You've never seen a street of gold. You've never seen walls of jasper. You've never seen gates of pearl. Eyes have not seen. You've never heard an angelic choir like that. Come on. You ever heard it? Eyes have not seen. Nor ears heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them. Verse 10. This is going to change your narrative. But God hath revealed them. How did he do it? What? So what you're saying is in my fleshly eyes, I could not see it. With my earthly ears, I could not hear it. With my old fleshly heart, I could not perceive it. But the Holy Ghost. 
This scripture is not about me going to heaven. It's about heaven coming down to me. It's about the spirit getting in me and changing my perspective. Stay safe. Stay with me right here. I got to teach this. God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit. We don't like this part. Searches all things. The spirit searches your shallow things. And it searches the deep things of God. It'll search your shallow racism. It'll search your shallow sin nature. It'll search your shallow lust spirit. It'll search your shallow adultery. It'll search your shallow fornication. Are you hearing me? And it'll search the deep things of God. It'll teach you how to be a man when you didn't know how to be a man. It'll teach you how to be godly when you didn't know how to be godly. It'll teach you to shout when you ought to be sitting down and sobbing. It'll teach you how to dance when you ought to be depressed. It'll teach you how to get up when you ought to lay down. I feel the Holy Ghost. For what man knoweth the things of man? This will preach, dear God. Save the spirit of man which is in him. This is saying, this is not a God problem. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man. But the spirit of God. If you want to know what God's all about. You're not going to get it from TBN. If you want to know what God's all about, you're not going to get it because you show up every Sunday so you can go to church. If you want to know what God's all about, you got to get full of the Holy Ghost and let His Spirit dwell in you and start teaching you revelation that you're not going to get by learning somewhere else. Don't waste your money and go to Bible college. Don't waste your money and go to seminary if you don't have the Holy Ghost because you're going to read through the eyes of a man that only man can know. But when you get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to get all cross-eyed and messed up and think that God divides himself because he couldn't do it all by himself. You know that he's God and he's God alone and there is no God beside him. Let me hurry. Go ahead and read the rest of that chapter when you get a chance. It's powerful. What it's basically saying is that the Holy Ghost compensates for our sensory limits by enabling you and I to conceive things that we could not perceive with our human five senses. It is by revelation of the Holy Ghost that we can see the invisible and we can hear the inaudible. Oh, I wish somebody knew what I was preaching right now. Let me hurry. When babies make their grand entrance into the world... Their visual, visual resolution is about one-fortieth of an adult. They lack depth perception. Their visual range is only about 13 inches. The world is low definition, two-dimensional, and only about 13 inches in diameter. Slowly but sovereignly, the world begins to take on width and breadth and depth. By four months of age, a baby can perceive stereoscopic depth depth by six months visual acuity has improved fivefold their black and white world has burst into a kaleidoscope of colors now they have control of their eye movements by his or her first birthday the child sees the world almost as well as an adult does how does that happen in 12 months because they had never had life before like they did when they came into this old world. And their opinions are being formed. And the things that they see are being formed. They can't just look at a clock and say that's a clock. Much less tell you what time it says. It's something that has to happen. 
But we that develop eyes for a clock to tell time in our humanity, that's all that we can tell you. I can't tell you what's going to be one minute from right now. But I can tell you this with eyes of the Spirit. It don't matter what's going to happen one minute from right now. Because the God I serve holds my next minute and my next month and my next millennia. Our eyes for wonder and the things of the Spirit of God develop in much the same way. Before our spiritual eyes are open, most of us, our world is only about 13 inches in diameter. It's like we live in a low-definition, two-dimensional world. Then the Holy Ghost gives us death perception. He opens our eyes to see ordinary miracles that surround us every day. The ordinary miracles that are us and become us. It's like spiritual cataracts are removed from our eyes. And what we could not see yesterday, now the reality is revealed that it was always there. The things that yesterday we thought were a curse, we now realize it has become our blessing. Our eyes are now filled with a depth of wonder and awe. Because his name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And slowly yet sovereignly, the soul begins to take on the width and the breadth and the depth and our eyes are filled with wonder it expands now from the horizon of humanity and to a God-sized God-given imagination and beyond and all of a sudden we begin to read the scripture and it starts to make sense unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or even think according to the power that worketh in us what are you saying pastor I'm saying to you the Holy Ghost makes a difference in your life and you need the Holy Ghost you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth you know what the Holy Ghost will do it will change your perception in the book of Acts the third chapter now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried this line is very important somebody help me with it whom they laid you do know that man was at the gate yesterday too But let pastor show you something this morning. Yesterday in Acts 2, Peter and John get the Holy Ghost. And today the lame man looks different at the gate. Because yesterday, before they had the Holy Ghost, he was a lame man. Today at the gate, they've got the Holy Ghost. And he's a miracle. Silver and gold have I none. Why do y'all think that that man looked at Peter and John expecting? You want me to tell you why? Because 11 days ago, before they went into the upper room, they threw him alms. It's always cheaper to throw somebody money than it is to give them your time. And he looked at them expecting the same thing today that they would have done for him yesterday. But something made a difference in them between yesterday and today. They got the Holy Ghost. And so the man that last week they would have looked down on with disdain and threw some alms down to him today, they stopped and they said, Sir, silver and gold have we none, but such as I have, I'm giving it to you. What do they have? They've got the Holy Ghost. 
You know what the Spirit of God will do for you? The Spirit of God will say things for you that you couldn't have said on your own. In Romans 8 and 26, likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you get the Holy Ghost, it'll make you love everybody. It'll make you pray for everybody. It'll make... I feel like telling you this morning, if you're struggling in your heart, you got to have the Holy Ghost. Let's stand together. I've preached this suit right into the dry cleaners this morning. Someone to know if the Holy Ghost is a matter of salvation. Yes, it is. But the Holy Ghost is not just a matter of new birth. It's a matter of new life. Because I don't just get the Holy Ghost so I can talk in tongues. I've already come this far, so let me just say this. You can be mistaken because you've heard somebody speak in tongues to think they have the Holy Ghost. Now... I'm not going to go off into this rabbit trail right here, but I want to tell you this. If you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak in other tongues. But just because somebody looks like they're speaking in tongues don't mean they have the Holy Ghost. That's why I'm not just standing up here today saying you need to, you need to pray in the Holy Ghost. No, no. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the kind of spirit working in you. That everywhere you go, Brother Caleb was with me yesterday. We pulled out of a restaurant, and I thought this woman was changing lanes, and apparently she wasn't changing lanes, and she thought I was really terrible. She stuck her arm out the window and told me she was oneness. She said some really nasty things as she drove by. And then we got about a quarter mile up the road and she turned onto the street she had to go on. And all the way down her road, she had that arm out the window screaming, blankety, 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 blank. So I did the godly thing, smashed my gas pedal, ran through her driveway, ran her car over. No. You know what I did? I stuck my thumb up and I waved at her. I stuck my thumb up. People don't know what to do with you when you got the Holy Ghost. Because they want that to make you so mad that you'll react. You know what we need to do with the hatred that people are trying to make us buy into? Just, just, what's wrong with you, man? Why are you so optimistic? Because I've got the Holy Ghost. Brother St. Clair, you know there's people that hate you. You know, there's people that disagree with you. Yes, I do. And they got a right to be wrong. There's people that don't want to be baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost. But you need the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody. This week I'd been in prayer, and I'm not trying to ride a dead horse, but I'd been in prayer for our nation. And I want to tell you this, please understand this is not for pity. This is a picture of the kingdom of God. I want you to understand this. It ought to put our pastors in a unique situation in this society. Okay, so what I'm about to say is put your big boy britches on. But we had... A man murdered at the hands of a police officer. That happened to be a black man and a white officer. And so this does something unique for a pastor like me who loves everybody. Because I pastor people of color. And I also pastor police officers.
So you know what it ought to do? When people tell us that we shouldn't like people of other color, we ought to throw our thumb up to them and say, but I've got the Holy Ghost. That's why I love everybody. And when they tell us that we shouldn't love police officers, we ought to be able to put our thumb up in the air and say, but I love everybody. And I have brothers that are black. And I have brothers that are Hispanic. And I have brothers that are police officers. And I have brothers that are firemen. I have brothers that were born with their families in the church. And I have brothers that were born into drug addict families. I have brothers that were born into gang families. And I have brothers that were born in an apostolic home. Nevertheless, they are my brother. I preached so long this morning. But somebody needs to stand up and say it. There is no room in the kingdom of God for hatred. You gotta have the Holy Ghost. Brother Roe, come here. Come here. Brother Roe, come here. Mia, come here, baby doll. This is my girl. Come here, baby. princess not you you're not my princess you know what I'm her pastor I'm his pastor Amen. Caleb come here stand by him come here I'll tell you something I'm his pastor he's young brother Hensel come over here and stand by me I'm not saying you're old See, you started filling in lines, didn't you? I'm his pastor. Brother Michael, wave at me back here. Wave at me, Brother Michael. Wave at me, Brother Michael Miller. Don't tell nobody. His family's Jewish. Just like our Messiah. I'm your pastor, Brother Michael. Sorry, babe. Come here, here, Bishop. Don't tell anybody. My dad's a Cherokee Indian. And he's my pastor. I got anybody in here that your family was German? Family German? Well, you you know, we're not supposed to love each other. You understand it, right? See, anybody in here got any family that's Irish? Woo, you got some red-headed tempers, you sorry rascals. Is it true, Lacey? <laughs> You're welcome, Bo. Now, see, here's what I want you to understand. Got a little Filipino going on back here in teen. Her grandparents, Filipinos. See, but my grandfather, since the 1960s, went to the Philippines and preached to Filipinos. So that's why when Filipinos come here. Is that not what we've invested in? Sister Martha, you got family that can't even understand what I'm preaching today. Am I telling the truth? So you know what we're going to do, bro? When God starts filling your family with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to get you a microphone. Or I'm going to get Boaz a microphone. Come on. See, I just felt me something in that right there. God baptize us with repentance if there's anything in me today that would cause division and hatred and strife I may not understand how my brother or my sister feel today because I've never had to walk in their shoes 
I may not understand how a Jewish man feels. Because I've never had to live through a holocaust. I may not understand how my Hispanic brothers and sisters may feel. How my African American brothers and sisters may feel. But God may I be willing to join hand in hand with every brother and every sister. And may I declare that our God is one and we are one. And that we are the body of Christ. And that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is going to quicken our mortal bodies. And in that great getting up morning red, yellow, black, and white, we're coming up from the ground. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds. I want to be ready at the coming of the Lord. I want to have the Holy Ghost. If you've never had the Holy Ghost, you can get the Holy Ghost today. On Thursday night, Sister Valetta came up out of that water. Woo! Girlfriend, I felt the Holy Ghost up there. You raised those hands and began to speak in a language I didn't understand. Just like it happened on Thursday night, it can happen on Sunday morning. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I dare you right now to raise your hands and say, Lord, I want you to forgive me of all my sin. I want to live for you and I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost. Come on right now. If you want the Holy Ghost, you can get it right now. You can come to the front and get it right now. All over this room, let's begin to praise God together. Let's create an atmosphere of faith together. Come on, let's do it as the music plays right now. Let's lift up Jesus.